Good afternoon, ladies. We are studying Perashat Kitisa. There's very big dushim to be said on this perasha. Be'ajat Hashem will be able to convey it, even though these are deep things. But Be'ajat Hashem, it's worth our time to <coughs> be patient and develop them properly in order that we come out with the proper conclusions. The perasha begins, Kitisa et Rosh B'nei Yisrael. I'm going to explain the Pesukim to you easily, first, simply. The way it says it in the English. <coughs> and when you come to count the Jewish people, Kitisa, when you come to count the Jewish people, that means there was a census taking place. God wanted to know, the Jewish people wanted to know, the number of how many Jews there were. Between the ages of 20 and 60. When you decide to count the Jewish people, so that tells us how to count. <coughs> we don't count heads. We don't count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. For whatever reason, it's not good. So we count by collecting a coin. <coughs> and then we count the coins. The coin was called Mahasita Shekel. It's a half a shekel coin. Like you have a half a dollar. So you have a half a shekel. Everybody gives a half a shekel, they put it in the pot, and they count all the coins, and you know how many people there are. And the Pasuk writes that if you do that, and count the Jewish people, this is a kapara for the Jewish people. Somehow it atones for something. It's kapara for. I'm not too sure how a census becomes kapara. Last year they came to my house because they had a census in the United States. And the lady asked a whole host of questions. After she left, do I get kapara? I'm sure with the lady that they sent me, I did receive some sort of kapara, the truth of the matter is. But it doesn't mean that. What does it mean kapara? And then... That's the beginning of the parasha. That's basically what it is. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Please be patient when I ask you these questions. Question number one. Ki tisa et rosh Yisrael. The word tisa doesn't really mean to count. Tisa is to lift. Laset is to carry, to elevate. We have a word for counting. Lifkod, pekidah. Why would the Torah use such a word, kitisa? When you will elevate the Jewish people. We're not elevating anybody, we're counting them. May I ask you, why a half a coin? Why they pick half a coin? Why not full coin? Anyway, tzedakah. The money went to tzedakah anyway. If a person can afford a half a dollar, he can make himself afford a dollar also. It wasn't a, a big amount of money. 
تو رسول اللہ گیو ہیف وہاں گیو ہیف I'll explain this. He said something very wise. Not only that, the Torah says that it's kapara for something. When I give the coin, or when they do this thing here, it's a kapara. What is the kapara exactly as I ask? <coughs> Let's go further in the parasha. Further in the parasha, the next pasuk, after talks about this item of the hefe hefe shekel, it talks about the sink. The kiyor, ve'asita kiyor nehoshet ve'chanol nehoshet leruhsa. In the Beit Hamikdash, they used to have a sink that was a very important piece of uh, furniture. The Kohanim would wash their hands and their feet as they would enter the Beit Hamikdash to serve. You cannot just go into the Beit Hamikdash and do the service. You need to make the tilat yadaim. In those days, it was tilat yadaim and tilat aglayim. So the Torah teaches us right after about the sink. I don't have a problem. I'm very interested to know how the sink was made and what materials it was made and its function. But my problem is, it doesn't belong here, the sink. Two weeks ago we read Parashat Terumah. And I explained to you then, in this Parashat Terumah we learn about all the furniture of the Mikdash. They taught us about the ark, the aron, the table, they told us about the menorah, they told us about the mezbeah. So when you teach me about all the furniture of the temple, tell it to me over there, the sink. No, you waited until this week's parash. Oh, we forgot something, uh, the sink. It doesn't fit. <coughs> you see, I'm asking you a lot of questions. Why the word kitisa? If it's counting, kitisa is the wrong word. Why is it kapara over here? If you're counting the Jewish people, why is it a kapara? Why half a shekel? Why is it talking about the sink? Don't get nervous because you're going to say, Rabbi, we only have 35-40 minutes. How are you going to answer all these questions? I'm going to give you a rule in Torah. In Torah, one answer answers all the questions. You don't have to have... You could say 10 questions. And then the Rabbi, through the Torah gives one answer and all of a sudden you see like you're weaving boom all the questions like dominoes boom, boom, they all fall down I'm saying this on purpose because Be'azat Hashem you're going to experience this not in this, only in this class but Be'azat Hashem when Mashiach comes in life we have many questions there's always questions why and how the way God runs the world. So we write our questions now. We have a whole list of questions that are unanswered questions. Even the Gemara has many unanswered questions. Sometimes we come to the Shi'ud in the morning and the Gemara has a whole long list of questions. And you know what the last word on the page is? Teku. What does Teku mean? Teku is an abbreviation. Tishbi Tishbi is Tishbi. You have to wait for the Nabi for this. We don't know the answer. <laughs> Even the Gemara. But our rabbis tell us that Bazat Hashem, when the Mashiach comes and we're exposed to the light, one answer will answer all the questions. You won't have to have what's the answer to this one? What's the answer to this? What's the It'll be so clear and obvious the light that the Kadosh Baruch Hu is going to reveal to us in the future 
that all of a sudden you're going to look at the questions no, they're all answered you're not going to have to say what's number 4, what's number 8, what's number 16 the, 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 the lucidity, the clarity, the illumination the orgador, the great light that we're looking forward to Bezat Hashem answers all the questions in one second so what we're going to do today is a little uh, preview of how Mashiach is going to be we ask 10 questions and we get one answer boom, all of them fall apart that's what's going to happen in the future Bezat Hashem the future world I'm not going to get lost I didn't come to talk about this today but you need to hear this anyway the future world is called Olam Shikulo Tov the world that is all good our rabbis explained to us that whenever you see the word Tov Tov refers to light like it says in the Pasuk Vayar Elohim Etaor Kitov. So when we talk about the next world being Tov, it means it's a world of brightness, of clarity, of, of great, great illumination. And therefore, we're waiting for the next world, which is the world of Tov, which is clarity to give us the answers to all our questions. And immediately, once you experience it, say, ah, now I understand everything. Oh. And then you're going to scratch yourself and say, why did it bother me so much in the other world? Because this world is a world of darkness, Hoshik. But Be'azat Hashem, the good news is we're very close to this great light that's coming to appear. We're on the cusp of great, great uh, experiences of this great light. I cannot tell you exactly when the Mashiach is coming, the exact date. Even though I know it, but I'm not allowed to say it. <laughs> I'm just joking, I don't know. We have to believe he's coming today. Anyway, right after the sink, the Torah talks about another law. Also a very interesting law. The Ketoret. Simply, the Ketoret was incense. They took spices, it says 11, 11 spices. They mixed them up in a, a, a bowl, they crushed them. And then every day they would bring a little portion of this incense on the Mizbeah and the smoke would go up to Hashem. It's interesting that the Ketorit is mentioned in this Perashah. As right following this whole story. In order for you to understand all these concepts, our Gemara tells us the value of when Jews get together to serve Hashem. We call that a minyan. When ten Jews get together in the minyan, the Gemara calls it a holy union. It's considered Kodesh. So much so that when ten Jews get together in a minyan, in a group, to do something religious, whether it's to pray or whether it's to study like you ladies are doing here today, at that moment, the Shekhinah comes down. The Divine Presence, which is called Shekhinah, which is the holiness of God's presence in the fullest form, is there. You don't see the Shekhinah here, but the Shekhinah is with us. Not only that, but the Gemara says, when God knows that there's a group of Jews that are going to congregate for something good, He comes first. He waits for them. 
God knows at 1.15 on Thursdays, there's righteous Jews that get together to study. He has the schedule. There's a schedule before us. Before any of you walked in, the Shekhinah is already sitting waiting over here. So when you walk in, the Shekhinah is oh, taking attendance. Who's here? Who's not? And just by being here, even if you're not listening, even if you're not paying attention, even if you're not understanding, but you're in the room with the king now. Kol be'asara shekhinah sharia. That's the language. Wherever there's ten Jews, shekhinah sharia. The shekhinah rests. That's why the Gemara makes such a big deal of praying in the congregation. Because when you pray alone, it's difficult for the tefillot to be answered because you're only one person. But when there's many, the power of the unity of the group has the ability to lift the prayers to the highest levels. Even for women. <coughs> Not that we're advocating a minyan for women. But there's many groups of women that get together and meet Tehillim. They get together and do mitzvot in a group like you're doing now. There's value in that, absolutely. In America, they say the more the merrier. We don't believe that, maybe, necessarily. Our statement is, The more people, the more glory is to the king. Not only that, there was a great rabbi called Eli Melech, from the great Sadiqim. He says something above us, but I'm going to repeat it. He says, in the upper worlds, there's a place that's called Kol Yisrael. All of Israel. That's the name of the office. The Kol Yisrael office. If your prayers get to that office, it gets answered. Because in that place that's called Kol Yisrael, all of Israel, there's no judgment, there's no Satan, there's no bad, there's no evil, there's no punishment, there's no nothing. It's the perfect, pristine place in the upper levels in the Shamayim. And if you're able to get to that room, oh, all the Berachot are in Kol Yisrael. So he says, how do you get to that room when you come together in unity and in peace? Like you're doing over here. Where there's Shalom amongst all of you. And you all came for a holy purpose to be inspired to understand the word of God. So you are all acting in unity. So once you have Kol Yisrael, once all Jews come together to form an entity, at that moment you access the highest room in the heavens. Don't feel embarrassed in the middle of the shi'ur if you decide to pray to yourself. If in the middle of the shi'ur you just have an urge to pray, to ask Hashem for something, do it. Because you don't get this opportunity that often where tens of women get together in the room to hear the great Torah. It's an opportunity. The shekhinah is here. Or here, I don't know where exactly it is, but it's, it's, it's hovering. And therefore, the tefillot at this moment, if there's peace and unity, if there's strife and there's mahloket, and there's disunity and there's discord, it doesn't work. But if everybody is united and has camaraderie and has a shalom, then you have access to the level called Kol Yisrael. <coughs> and there's no stopping. There's no limits of how far the tefillot are able to go up and what it's able to Produce. Further, 
there was a rabbi called Magid Mimezrej. Magid Mimezrej said, so holy is when Jews get together, that even if an angel wants to come down, it's too holy for him. The Malachim have to stay far, because the presence of the Holy Shekinah is so strong where there's Jews congregated in peace, that the Malachim even have to stand back. So he says, if the Malachim cannot access the holy place, certainly the, the bad energies and the bad spirits cannot access as well. I'm going to tell you a story. Once, I was at a wedding, a religious wedding. The truth is, all the weddings are supposed to be religious. And there was a big rabbi there and the ten boys were dancing in a circle like they dance and there was a big rabbi in the middle and he was dancing but a very funny dance that caught my curiosity as he's dancing whatever the gestures he's making with his hands, with his legs but as he crosses by the boys he bows he, he goes down I never saw such a uh, such a move of a dance. People jump, people move their hands, people move their feet. Everybody has their uh, patented uh, system in a dance to express their happiness. But this rabbi did something so strange. He's walking by the boys and he he goes down. He goes down as if he's dodging something. If he sees something coming at him, he, he ducks. I couldn't control myself. Rabbi, I know whatever you're doing is the reason why you're doing it. This you didn't just pick up because uh, of, a, of, a, of an excitement of some sort. You're doing it for Kavanot. He says, oh, you're asking good. He says, I'm going to tell you one of the big secrets. That if the people would know this, they'd know the value of what a Jew is. Today, if a person wants to purify themselves, how would we purify themselves? Whenever you hear the word purity, the first thing you hear is mikveh. That's the first thing you hear. Tahara, mikveh. Go find a pool of water and go immerse yourself and somehow when you go into the waters you come out purged, you come out tahor. We all know that. But listen to what the Pasuk says. Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. The Pasuk says Mikveh Yisrael. So the Rabbi said, you know what? When you have ten Jews in the same room and they're congregated it's like a Mikveh. And therefore when I see the ten boys dancing strong, I'm dipping in the mikveh. I'm going down. I'm going down, dipping into the Jewish people, so to speak. And when I come up, it's if I dipped in Klai Yisrael, because the Kiddushah of ten Jews in the room, it's mikveh Yisrael. Wow! Could you imagine what does it mean that the Jewish people have such a force when they're united? You don't need to go in the waters. What does the word mikveh mean? You know what the root of the word mikveh means? To gather. Happens to be in, in the mikveh, it's a gathering of water. But mikveh doesn't mean water. Mikveh means a collection or a group or a gathering of water, mikveh mayim. But you can have another type of mikveh, mikveh Yisrael, where you gather Jews together and all of a sudden the rabbi is going like this. As if to show to the students who understood him that this moment is a tremendous moment of Kiddushah. I don't know if any of you attended the last Siyum Hashas. 
when the rabbis or the students finish the Talmud, it takes them seven and a half years. They study one page of Talmud every single day, and there's like 2,800 folios of the Talmud, so it takes seven and a half years to do. It's a tremendous accomplishment. And then they all go to a big venue, and they celebrate. It's something that the Jewish people look forward to. It doesn't happen that often. Once in a decade, you get to go to see such a thing. I was attending the last few of them. The last one they did in Madison Square Garden. Imagine the whole Madison Square Garden filled with Jews. 25,000 Jews. You cannot help yourself but be elevated from that moment. Just because you're in a room with so many Yehudim together in one place, the force of it, even before they answered Yehoshim Barach, once they answered Yehoshim Barach, 20,000 people, forget about it. <laughs> you go through the roof of the building. But even before that, just to be in a room with so many Yehudim, with the Gemara, with the studying, you're elevated automatically. Because the Shekhinah, it purges you. You're in a mikveh, not of 40 gallons of water, but of 25,000 Jews, all that are studying Torah. Be'azat Hashem, it's going to repeat itself soon. The next siyum is not this August, but a year from August. And the summer Be'azat Hashem is going to be another one. I wouldn't miss it. Be'azat Hashem should give us strength and health. You shouldn't miss it either. I'm telling you now, inside information. Because by the time you say, oh, it's a good idea to go, there's going to be no more tickets. So I'm, I'm giving you a year and a half notice. You shouldn't say the rabbi doesn't give you inside information. Because you won't get this opportunity to be with 20, 30, 40,000 Jews in one place. It's a mikveh of Jews. Women goes, why not? They have women's section. Mikveh Israel Hashem. It's very important this concept. The Ahdut. David Amalek said, Haver ani lechol asher yireucha. He says, I am a friend of all groups that fear you. Anytime there's a group of people that get together to fear God or to show religious attitude, David says, I'm copying. David understood what does it mean a group of Yeresh Hamayim. Whether it's a group of men that get together to study, or whether it's a group of men that get together to pray, or a group of women that get together to hear words of Musar, or a group that gets together to work on a Chinese auction for tzedakah. These are all groups that have the ability to bring down the Holy Shekhinah. It's the power of Klal Yisrael. And guess what? The power of a group is so strong that even if somebody's not so religious, doesn't have so much observance, the power of it can even elevate him as well. I heard once from one of my rabbis. Do you know how we call a congregation in Hebrew? We call it a sibur. Sibur. Why they call sibur sibur? Because sibur is made up of the three types of Jews. Tzaddikim, Benonim, Vereshaim. The tzaddik is a tzaddik. The tzaddik is the perfect person. And then the benoni is the regular people like us. One day we're at Sadiq, one day we're not. One hour we're good, one hour we're not. We're middle, we're always going back and forth. Benonim. And then you have the Rishaim. 
They're always there. But the Shibur is made up of even the Rasha. Tzaddik, Benoni, Rasha. Because even when the Rasha comes into a group, the Kiddushah of the group able to elevate him. That's why we always tell the people, just come to the Bet Knesset. Don't pray. Just sit in the shul. But I don't know what I'm saying. Just sit in the shul. There's people over here. The Shekhinah is here. Dip yourself in Klai Yisrael. All of a sudden he comes out inspired. He doesn't know what happened. You see people that come to the Bet Knesset, they feel a, a, an elevation. This is true. I wish I would have the right words to explain to what happens to you in the Shamot when you come to the Shi'urim. Doesn't matter. It sounds like this was a good shiur. This was a bit, the shiur is not the main item. The shiur is just to get you here. The fact that you're coming here in unity, the key is the unity. Once Hatzvah there's, Shalom, there's, there's, there's a break in this, then it doesn't work. That's why I tell the kids in the yeshiva always, especially the girls. You're so lucky when you're in school, you're forced to have a union every single day. You're forced. You have to come in the class together as a group. And you're studying Torah. You have an opportunity to be with the Shekhinah every single day by force. One day you're going to get married. One day you're going to be busy. You're going to have children. You're not going to be able to do this mandatorily every day to greet the Shekhinah in a group. You have to take advantage. But what happens? The Satan is so smart. He's so cunning. He creates in the class clicks. And there's politics. And this girl doesn't talk to that girl. And this girl's group. And they, they, don't, choose, they don't select this one. And they're not involved. And there's Mahlokan. And we don't invite this one to the parties. And this one's more sharp. This one's less sharp. This one wears last year's uh, shoes. This one's wearing this year's shoes. Whatever the politics are amongst the girls. Once that happens, it's spoiled. It's spoiled. Nothing good comes easy. It has to be done with peace. If there's peace in the classroom and all of the girls are able to be united, at least for the, for the moment, when they're learning, when there's, they, they, they take all the, the strife and they put it on the side, then they benefit from this. The same thing in a shoot like this. We come to a class, it's different people, different groups, different communities. We come to the class, well, we check our guns and at the door. There's no mahlokit. When we come into the Bet Knesset, otherwise the Shekhinah says they're fighting. Shekhinah, they're fighting, I go. I'm not interested in the politics. But Olam leaves. As I go, I'm going to show you. Everything I'm telling you, I'm going to prove to you. I'm just giving you the introduction. I'm going to tell you the secret of our blessed community. It's well known in our community. We do not have conservative and we do not have reform. This is something that is doesn't exist by us, the Sephardim. You know why? Because our rabbis were so smart. In the Bet Knesset, everybody was invited to come into the Bet Knesset. The Mahalil Shabbat, the rabbi said, come to the Bet Knesset. We didn't tell Mahalil Shabbat. Go somewhere else. Because all you needed is 10 Mahalil Shabbat to get disinvited from the shul, and they would open up a shul of Mahalil Shabbat. Now you have conservative and reform. They came into the shul. Come, sit. They were brazen. Can I get an aliyah? Oh, aliyah. Okay, the rabbi figured this out. We'll give him an extra aliyah. We'll figure it out. 
send them, maybe the kid who the Sefer Torah will inspire him as well. Guess what? From those Ma'alele Shabbat and those people that went to work after synagogue, today their grandchildren are studying Torah. And even they came back to Teshuvah. Why? In the Beit Knesset. Let the, let, the, let the holiness of the congregation purge the Jews. If somebody comes to the Mikveh, we let them go into the Mikveh. We don't ask them the religious level. Let the Mikveh do its magic. Let the congregation, the Kahal Kadosh, the Sibur, let it do its magic to the people. And all of a sudden they get elevated. There was a fellow that once came to my rabbi. Hacham Baruch Alam Religious man. Oh, what do I mean religious? Very uh, uh, d- diligent in his religion. There was a fellow in the Beit Knesset that was not 100% observant. I'm saying it in a nice way. It was more than that. And the rabbi allowed him to have a certain honor. The fellow came to the Rabbi, how? How do you let him? How do you let him go up to the Torah? How do you let him give these honors? What is this over here? We're going to sacrifice the Kiddushah of the Shul, of the, of the community. The Rabbi listened. He said, you finished? He wasn't finished. Was two more minutes. Reading the, the riot act to the Rabbi. After you finished, you finished now? I'm finished now. Is that good? He says, I want to tell you a story. He says, Forty years ago, when I was the rabbi of this shul, there was a man that came in, and the man was a fellow that prayed, and then he would go to work. Shabbat! So I knew it. And I closed my eyes. And we gave him the honors and all that, and we made believe we didn't see. He says, and then many years later, he made Teshuvah, and his grandson today is a very religious man. So the fellow says, wow, what a great story. He says, you know why it's a great story? Because that was your grandfather. That's, and you, look what you came out of it. If we would have told your grandfather 40 years ago to go to work, would you be today where you are today? But because we let him sit in the Beit Knesset, and we let the Kahal bring the holiness on him, look, he developed, and the grandchildren developed properly. This is a very important yesod. Of course it bears tolerance. <laughs> this needs tolerance. Religious tolerance is not an easy thing because religion in itself breeds intolerance. Because uh, I have to do this and I have to do that and you don't do it. But you have to overcome that. The tzaddik, the benoni, and the rasha, the tzibur. Now listen to what the pasuk says. You know why we take a half a shekel? The Hefeshek is very symbolic. Because if I have a half, I'm not complete until there's another half. If I have a whole shekel, I don't need you. I'm good. I don't need to. But if I have half a piece, I need the other piece to complete it. The Hefeshekel is a message to the Jewish people that everybody is connected to one another, everybody is linked to the next Jew. That's the Ahdut, that's the unity. That's the Kon Yisrael that Rabbi Melech Menezins was talking about. The, all of the Jewish people. So the Pasuk says like this, Kitisa. You know what Kitisa means? When you're going to want to elevate. 
When you want to bring the Jewish people higher, where are you going to want to bring them higher? Kitisait Rosh B'nai Yisrael. Who's the Rosh? God is the Rosh. The Shekhinah, the Holy Spirit of God is the Rosh. Kitisah, when you're going to want to elevate Jewish people to the Rosh, you want to bring them higher to higher levels of holiness? Teach them the lesson of the Mahasita Shekel, that they must be part of the Sibur. They must be part of the Kahal. They must be part of the holy groups. That's the way you'll be able to keep Tisah. And what's the next line? Kapara. You know what the Kapara is? It's Mechapir. It atones. When a person goes into groups of people, and the Shekhinah is there, he's inspired, and he'll make Teshuvah. And it's like you're purging yourself in the Mikveh. God forgives you for your sins. That's why, what's the next pasuk? The sink. What's the sink? The sink is like a mikveh. Where the Quran would go every day and wash themselves. Listen to the flow. I'm telling you an amazing thing. The flow of the pasukim here. It's amazing. I'm reading the English. I don't see any of this. I open the holy books. All of a sudden it's a whole new story. Kitisa, when you want to elevate yourself. And you want to elevate Jewish people. Kitisa to Rosh. I want to bring them closer to God. I want to bring them back to the Creator in heaven. To the Rosh, to the head. So what should I do? Teach them the laws of Mahasita Shekel. You're only a half. You're connected to him and he's connected to you and you're all connected together. And if you do that as a group, there's kapara, there's atonement. You're forgiven. You know what it's like? It's like the sink. It's like going into the mikveh. It's like going into the waters. Mikveh Yisrael. You're bowing into the Jewish people. And then the Torah tells us the Keturit. Listen to the story of the Keturah. There was 11 spices in this incense. We have a list of them. There's one secret ingredient that we don't know of. But besides that, we basically know all the ingredients of the Keturah. The Gemara says one of the ingredients was called Halbena. Halbena, the Gemara says, had a very bad smell. And the Gemara wants to know, why put it in the Keturit? You have such wonderful ingredients. The Habbanah malodorous, it has a very bad stench. Why put the Habbanah in the Keturit? So the Gemara says, oh, from here we learn that even when you take the Habbanah, which represents the, the Jew that has Abunot, and he's on a low level, and he has the stench of his sins, when you put him in the group, the group makes him good. The halbina alone is rotten. But put the halbina in the ketoret, it becomes good also. That's what we're trying to say over here. Why do you think everybody always talks about our community? Community. And the word community is the word unity. When you have a community together like this, even the people that are lower or lower than that, or, everybody's elevated. Because you're part of the, the kahal. Kahal kadosh. Even the Halbena, he's in the Ketoret. He becomes part of Ketoret. He goes on the Mizbayah. Ham Baruch used to tell us the following comical story. That there was a rabbi. He was a rabbi of a synagogue. And he's waiting for a minyan. There's nine people. He tells the Hazan, wait, you can't stop, only nine. Finally the tenth guy walks in. Rasha, bad guy. So the, the, the guy counts, the Rashad counts, he's the tenth. It's okay, he's the tenth, beautiful. The rabbi tells the Hazan, wait, don't start. The guy got offended. He said, Rabbi, I don't understand, I'm not Jewish. 
He said, no, 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 you're Jewish. But we're going to wait for somebody else. What are you waiting for me? I thought in the Ketoret, they even put the Halbana in the Ketoret. So the rabbi said, that's why they had 11 spices. <laughs> but of course the rabbi was making a joke. The power of the, of the Sibur, the power of the Kahal. This Rabbi Elimelech Melazinsk, Bezat Hashem will be so soon to go to his Tziyun, to his Kever. Before he passed away, his son told him, Daddy, the Galut, the exile is, the exile is so difficult. As long as you were with us on this earth, you help us. But when you pass away, what, what's, how are we going to survive in the exile? The troubles are very great. Rabbi Melech told his son, Whenever you need something and the Jewish people are in trouble, just scream out, Tata, Tata. My father, my father. All I have to hear that and I'll help you. Not long after, the rabbi passed away to Rabbi Melech and his son called out, My father, my father. No answer. What do you mean? It doesn't work. So using, I don't know what he did, but somehow the son, he said, If my father doesn't help us, I have to go up to my father. And somehow through different kabanot, he started going up to the world. He's looking for his father. Where's Rabbi Melech They show him where he is. He's in a room. Light. Studying Torah. And there's a river. He sees his son. He says, Rabbi Al-Azhar, what are you doing over here? You don't belong here yet. You're too young. Go back downstairs. Says, no, no, no. I just came to... You tell me, say, Tata, Tata, I'm calling you. There's no answers. We're having troubles. The galut, the exile is very difficult. You have to help us. He said, my dear son, you see this river over here? You know what this river is? This is a river not of water. It's a river of all the tears of all the Jewish people from the beginning of time. All the troubles that they had in the exile, all the tsarot, it made this big river over here. And I know that all I have to do is dip once, mikveh, all I have to do is go once and dip in this river and the Mashiach will come. But every time I'm about to dip in the river, they stop me. They move me to a different level. Something happens. So his son said, what is it depending on? Why, why are they not letting you dip in the river? He said, go tell the people that if they make shalom, and there's peace, and there's unity, and there's ahdut amongst the congregations, and amongst the people, and amongst the families, they'll let me go in. And then the Mashiach can come that's the advice the son of Rabbi Elimelech brought from the heavens. That a Kadosh Baruch Hu wants, wants the Shalom. He's looking for the peace. But I'm going to explain it to you deeper now. As all of you know, I cannot go more than 40 minutes without saying a Gematria. But to your benefit. If you have a paper, you can write this. It will benefit you greatly. Hashem has different names. One name of Hashem is Yudke Vavke. That's the holy name of Hashem of mercy. Yudke Vavke, you see it every second. That's on the right side. 
But then there's another name of Hashem, holy name. It's called Aleph Dalid and Nun and then Yud. It's the first word in the Amidah. If you look in your Sidur, Adonai, Sevadai, Tifdah, Ufi Agitu, Atecha. That first name is Aleph Dalid Nun Yud. That name is used in judgment. So you have mercy, Yudke Vavke, and then Adanut, which is judgment. I'm not worried about the mercy. The mercy, we love it. But the judgment is what hurts us. The judgment is very severe sometimes. The letters Aleph, Dalit, Nun Yud also spell Dina. Dina de Malchuta, Dina. Dina is judgment. Din, Din Kasher. I've told you many times. The goal is not to leave the judgment where it is. The goal is to turn the judgment into mercy. Or as the holy books refer to it, is to sweeten the judgment. To make it sweet. This is sweet already. I don't need to sweeten this. I need to sweeten this. But how, Rabbi? How do you do it? So they tell us different ways. They tell us, take Yudke Vavke, I'm going to tell you things that are very, very juvenile now, just so you can understand it on a simple level. It's like two ingredients. One is a sweet ingredient, and one is a bitter ingredient. But when I put them together, sweet, everything is sweet. So the rabbis tell us, take the sweet ingredient, mix it with the, but the bitter ingredient, once I mix them together, oh, now I have sweetness, now there's no more judgment. How do I do that? So they said, oh, no problem. Take Yud Kevavke, the four letters, and the Aleph Dalmun use four letters. Somehow mix them together in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the mix. And now, all mercy. I'll give you a way to do that. Just write it down. No, it doesn't mean writing it down. So they say, Ensa Amin. When you hear a Beracha, Ensa Amin. Well, I remember, how does it work? Because Yud Kevav Ke equals 26, and Aleph Dalad and Yud equals 65. When I mix them together, 26 and 65, it's 91, which is the numerical value of Amen. Every time you answer Amen, Aleph Mem is 91. Which you actually did without having to do anything, without using a pen, paper, without having to use a calculator. Every time you say Amen, you sweeten the judgment. You sweeten the judgment. Okay, good. That you knew already. Now I'm going to tell you what you didn't know. Imagine, I don't want to add, are we always adding in this class? Now we're going to multiply. Ready, you graduated. Now we're going to go multiplication tables. Imagine I don't just add Yudke Vavke Ta'adanut, which is nice to do that. But I want to multiply it. You remember how to multiply? So put Yudke Vavke on the first line times Adanut. The four letters times the four letters. I'll work it through you. The Yud of Yud Kevavke times the Aleph of Aleph Dalit. So it's 10 times 1. Yud times Aleph. 10 times 1? 10. Okay, remember 10. Yud Ke, He, Aleph Dalit. He times Dalit. 5 times 4? 20. 20? Put 20. Does it have 30? Yud Kevav, Vav, Aleph Dalit. Vav times Nun. 6 times 50 300 ah, so far 
330. He times Yud. 5 times 10, 50. Ah, Gematria 380. Listen to this number 380. When I take the ingredient Yud Kevavke and I multiply it and I combine the two together of Adanut, I get the 380. Guess what else equals 380? Take the word Shalom. Peace. Sheen. Lamid Vav Men. Sheen is 300. Lamid is 30. Vav is 6. 336. And Men is 40. 376. Uh, don't get nervous. How many letters are there in Shalom? Sheen, Lamid Vav Men. There's four letters. Shalom with the letters equals 380. That means when you have Shalom, which you're actually doing without doing it, you're taking Yudke Vavke and you're multiplying it in the Adanut. You're not just adding it. You're bringing such a sweetness of the judgment. You're bringing such a beracha when there's unity. It's not combining it. Combining it is addition. This is multiplication. It gets even much more serious. All the judgments go away when there's peace. The Gemara says, Mahloket Echad, not the Gemara, of Haim Bital, Mahloket Echad, Dochem Me'apanasot. One Mahloket pushes away 100 Panasot. Everybody's trying to make a living. They're looking for all different ways to make a living. This one wears a red string, this one's wearing a Kamiya. Everybody's trying to make a living. The Gemara says, One fight pushes away 100 opportunities of Panasot. It has to be because when there's a fight, what happens? Let me explain to you what happens when there's Mahloket. <coughs> mahloket means separation, yes? So when there's a Mahloket, what did you do? You take the holy names of God and you separate them again. Now the judgment is alive again. When there's Shalom, 380, you're putting them together, you're multiplying together, they're a unit. Now the judgment is gone. There's no judgment. You separate, now you have a Mahloket, there's divisiveness. You divide the names again. Now the judgment is strong and is there. This is a very important point. People think they're going to make Panasah when there's Mahlokah. It's impossible. It's impossible. If this is true what I'm telling you, you'll understand another part of our prayers. Did you ever read in your prayers somewhere... Put on us the sukkah of peace. What do you mean the sukkah? What is sukkah to do with peace? Did you ever ask? Why sukkah shalomecha? Why not pesach shalomecha? Why not shavuot shalomecha? What is sukkah shalomecha? I'll explain to you. If you write on your paper sukkah, it's samech vav chafhe. Samech vav sukkah. Samech vav chafhe. Samech is 60, vav is 6, 66. Chaf is 20, that's 86. He is 5. Sukkah equals 91. Sukkah is a combination of yudke, vavke, and alef, dalad, and yud. So we're teaching you, how do you get to shalom? Sukkah Shalomecha. 
Shalom is a combination of the sukkah, of these two letters, of Yudke Vavke and Adanut. When you take the letters, Yudke Vavke, which equals 91, which is the same numerical value of sukkah, but what do you, why does it say sukkah? Because I'm multiplying it. What does it look like when I go like this? When I multiply, it looks like a sukkah. I have the roof, and I have the, the bottom floor. So the, the pasuk is telling you, make from the Yudke Vavke, and make a sukkah out of it. Put them on top of each other. That means multiply them. When you multiply it, that it looks like this. Then you'll end up with 380, which is Shalom. Zukat Shalomecha. If this is true, we'll tell you something else. This is a big hadush. The Satan wants us to always be fighting with each other. Whether it's family members fighting, whether it's Shalom Bayit, which is today a big, big thing. People don't know how to live with each other anymore. I mean, you read stories about your grandparents, they were married for 80 years. They had silver anniversary, golden anniversary, platinum, diamond. There was no levels anymore. There was no, there was no more medals for them to celebrate. They went to the highest levels. And they would have been married for another thousand years. If they could live, they could remain. Somehow in the old days, they had to stay married for a thousand years. Today the people struggle to, 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 to stay married for... But to live as normal people... The Shalom is very, very weak. It's weak in marriages, it's weak in families. When the Shalom is weak, the Satan is very strong. That's what I'm telling you, Satan is very strong. He loves when there's Mahloket, because there's no Baracha. Once he breaks Jewish people together, finished. You can't get to the high levels of Kol Yisrael, there's no Mikveh, there's no nothing. You could have ten men come to the shul, they're fighting with each other, it means nothing. Stay home. They think, oh, Sadiqim, they came to shul to fight. You're not benefiting. All what I'm saying is all dependent on It's only beautiful when it's Shevet Ahim, when the brothers are sitting together, Gamiyahad, together. Now listen closely. The Satan has a name. What's his name? Don't say it. It's Samich, Mim, Aleph, and then Alamid. He's an angel, yes? He's a Malach, Gabriel, Michael, Rafael, and then this is the Samech and Aleph and Lamed. Listen to what's being said. Our rabbis tell us there's two letters in the Hebrew alphabet. There's a regular Mem and there's a Mem Sufit. What's the difference between the two letters? The man is opened. The man Sufit is closed. Yes? The man Sufit is a box. It's closed. The man regular man is open, a little opening. What else do you know about the two mims? If you have a regular mim, 
I can write letters after it. But once I have a final mem, I cannot write anything after it. Mem Sofit. You cannot put anything after Mem Sofit. Listen good. How do I kill the Satan? The holy books write, Samich Mem Aleph Lamed. He has in his name Aleph Lamed, which is God's name. I have to try to remove that holiness from the Satan, then he dissipates. How do I do that? If I can make that mem of the Samich Mem, if I can make it a mem sofit, I can't put any letters after it. As long as it's an open mem, you can still finish his... So how do I do it? I need to make from the mem of the Satan Samich I need to close it. Now you understand the objective? Now tell you how to do it. Which two letters, the mem or the mem sofit, would you say is the letter of peace? The mem sofit, why? It's closed, it's whole. Everybody's equal, everybody's united. There's no schism, there's no cracks, there's no breaks. The mem sofit is the letter of peace. The regular mem, they're not together, there's a whole. When a person makes peace, you know what he actually does? He makes from the mem of the Satan, he closes it. Once he closes it, the Aleph Lamed falls apart, and he cannot exist, and the Satan is, is finished. And then look at the depth of what's going on here. You think when you're being nice, and making peace with your neighbor, or Shalom Bayi, it's just ethical. You don't know what you're doing in the heavens. All of a sudden, a little more ink goes on the mem, boom, something closed. He said, hey, what happened to the air? We cannot write, Mem Sofit, stuck, air goes away. Now the Satan dissipates, it's gone. Now I'm going to tell you a secret. You're hearing in the news now a lot about Egypt. So one of the boys asked me, what's your opinion, Rabbi? I don't know, I'm not a prophet, I have no opinion. I said, for sure, if you're planning on going to Egypt, cancel your trip, that's for sure. I don't, you don't have to be a prophet, that, you shouldn't go to Egypt now. They said, somebody from Israel sent a message to the Egyptians. We know you're rioting, we know you're destroying everything, but don't destroy the pyramids because we're not going to build them again. <laughs> Listen to the word Misraim. For some reason, Hashem wants us to hear Misraim now. Misraim, Misraim, Egypt, Egypt, Misraim. Why do you want to hear Misraim? Oh, very good. Misraim starts with an open mem, and it ends with a closed mem. But what's the middle letter spell? How about Yetzir? The Yetzir Allah. The Yetzir Allah dissipates when you take from the open men and make it a closed men. I don't know what it means to everybody else, but when I hear Misraim, Misraim, Misraim on the news, who's telling you you need to close the memory. You need to make the peace. As long as the mem is opened, there's a fraction, if you get in, 
The Hitler has a field day, he's, he's opened, he, he can spell his name. So to the boys I say, who are studying with us every morning in the Gemara, and you know what? The Talmud, I told you, has 2800 pages, yes? You know what the first letter of the Talmud is? Me'ematai. From when do we read Shema? It's an open name. On page one of the Talmud, page one of Shas, is a name. You know what the last letter of 2800 pages on that day when you go to Shema Shas in a year and a half? They're going to read the last word. You know what the last word of Shas is? Adonai Yibarech et Amo Bashalom. It's a closed name. Our Torah, our oral tradition begins with an open man and ends with a closed man. And what's in between all the other pages? To say that this is the way when you study the Torah and you learn, then already it's able to make the tikkun. You started seven and a half years ago with an open man. Seven and a half later you were able to close it. That's why the moments of the siyumim, at the moment of a siyum is a great moment. The Satan hates a siyum. Because at the siyum, what does siyum mean? To finish or to close. They say, Samichmem Aleph Lamed, the Satan's name, Siyum Masechet En La'asot. That's what it stands for. Because he knows, <laughs> once you make siyum, the man closes up, he's finished. Could you imagine, ladies, the sikhut that we have? Here we're coming as a group. We're coming in unity and we're coming to study Torah at the same. We're doing both. Could you imagine the tikkun that's made not only to our souls? Mikveh Israel. Everybody, you went to the Mikveh. Somebody says, where'd you come from now? I went to the Mikveh, but your hair's not wet. Ah, this is Mikveh. You don't need to, you don't need to dry your hair. This is a better Mikveh. It's a Mikveh of, of Jewish people. Kitisait Rosh Bnei Yisrael. We elevate the Bnei Yisrael to the Rosh. How? Everybody's a half. Everybody's connected. Then it's kapara, then it's like the sink. Then it's like the ketoret, that even the halbena, even the worst of them, is elevated as well. And that's the tikkun of the shalom. The yudke vavke, with the adanut, multiplied, which is gematria 380, which is sukkat shalomecha. There's much more to say. I don't want to talk about marriages today, but in marriages that's exactly what happens as well. Always in marriages, as I told you many times, one is the mercy and the other one is judgment. Did you ever realize that? In the marriage, most of the times, one is the soft one and one is the strict one. You'll think who you are. Hashem does it on purpose to balance it. So it's a balance. Because if you have too strict, uh, the poor kids, they can't do anything. They can never have candy. <laughs> but too soft, they'll never have vegetables. So you need to have a balance. Hashem works, you don't, you don't have to think about it. It just works out that way usually. Most of the times. Let's say, let's say the husband is easygoing. So he's like Yudke Vavke. And the spouse is tough. That's like Adanut. Judgment, mercy. But once they get married, what happens? It's sweetened. That's why we call Shalom Bayit. In, in a marriage, the Shalom is that you're taking the two opposites 
and you're putting them together to create shalom. That's why every marriage brings tremendous berachat to the entire world. Because you're taking mercy and judgment and you're combining them. That's why we say shalom by it. Because it's the 380, it's the combination. But hasrab, anytime there's a mahloket, the judgments are separated from the mercy and then all the troubles come down. Today there's a get, every Monday and Thursday there's a get. They, don't, they need to now make uh, 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 Xerox machines because they, they can't make the getting faster. Maybe there should be a class in fourth grade to teach the boys and the girls that one day they're going to get married, how to behave, how to act, how to, how to, how to treat another a human being. Mahasita Shekel, like was mentioned. Mahasita Shekel, you're half and you're half. Together you make, a, you make an entity. But that's for another class to talk about the, the woes of our community. Today I didn't come to talk about the woes, I came to talk about the good of our community. Our community is blessed because we have a congregation, we have Kal Kadosh, and we accepted all the members of the Kahal, and they were all benefiting from this human mikveh, and as a result, look how much advancement we have today. Look how much advancement we came from the early immigrants to the generations today. And that's our credit. And therefore we must just bring our children to the synagogue. Bring them, even if they don't understand it too much. As long as they don't disrupt, let them sit and enjoy the, the kahal. Frequent like this, come to shooting like this. Bring people that are less, bring them, just come sit. And the lay thing, I didn't enjoy it. Good, doesn't matter if you enjoyed it or not. You went to the mikveh anyway. The fact that you went in a room with tzaddikim and benonim, and barminan even the shahim, even the halbinah is part of the ketoret, kitisa. Okay, we'll stop over here. Thank you.